Hey, first of all, I'll speak for everybody and uh, saying, hey, welcome, Chef Kevin Lee. Uh, super glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, I, for two reasons. Um, I love talking about entrepreneurship, but yeah. uh, I also love food. Everybody loves food. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, super glad that you're here. And I think, um, you know, as a, as a, you know, a founder, right, uh, being on the Food Network, uh, you know, we we're just chatting about, you know, you having a brand new restaurant concept, mm -hmm. uh, fried chicken, fried food, fried, fried chicken. <laughs> uh, so the birdies concept is a Korean uh, fried chicken concept uh, inspired by Korean fried chicken. But when you go to Korean fried chicken or fried chicken restaurant in Korea, we literally have fried chicken and we have beer. There's nothing else on the menu. You That's know? It. So to me, it makes sense. Oh, we have pickles also. We okay. a pickled radish is something we complement our fried chicken within korea but that's all we have in a, in a fried chicken restaurant in korea so it makes sense to me like hey i'm gonna pair korean fried chicken with all the accoutrements that oklahoma people love to eat right like fried okra like biscuits mac and cheese oh, you know yes. coleslaw so everything that we all love to eat fried chicken with but pair with a korean fried chicken so it's a korean uh fusion with southern food comfort food yes that is so cool i love that idea well, um, you know, you just, you're, you know, a couple of steps away. Yeah. Yes. We are very close. We're about a week or two out, you know, just waiting on couple inspections. Uh, so it's been a stressful, stressful time, but you know, it's getting close. So we're all excited to uh, get this business going. Well, the good news is you, this isn't a first time for you. So no. tell me about, you know, uh, tell me a little bit about your history as a chef, right. And, uh, you know, how you came to start them with, uh, Guy Fieri, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know, to me, like growing up, I always loved food. Food is something that I always looked forward to, that always excited me, that always, you know, always something I always enjoyed, right? Like when I'm eating breakfast, I ask my mom, what's for lunch? When I'm eating lunch, I ask my mom, what's for dinner? You know, I'm always like looking forward to the next meal. So food was something that I always loved as a kid and that I always enjoyed, you know? And, but like being a chef was not something that never crossed my mind because like when I was, you know, I'm not that old, but like even, 20 years ago, like, if you wanted to be a chef is something you couldn't tell your guy friends, like, hey, I want to be a chef. Like, that's something you just you didn't say, you know, just something you kind of kept it to yourself and like secretly working on some recipes at home. And when nobody's home, like pulling out the steak that's been in the freezer and just just doing just playing with it. You know, that's something I enjoyed, but just never crossed my mind. It could be a professional chef at one point in my life. You know, it just never crossed my mind. And when I went to Vegas, uh, I went there as a hospitality management you know, uh, undergrad over there and cooking, uh, cooking class was one of the requirements because, you know, as you know, being in a hotel, just, you know, you had to take a cooking class and, you know, that when I took that class, it really, I was like, man, this is so awesome. I get to do this, you know, I get to use a knife and like, I get to, I got to do all these things. I, I was seeing on food network that Emerald, Emerald Lagasse was doing, or like Rachel Ray was doing. I was so, having so much fun, and I just blew my mind. You know, guilty so, pleasure showing yeah, up at school. I yeah, but you know, just then, you know, I went walked into the restaurant. Like, can I be a busboy? I'll, I'll do anything. You know, and the the chef at the time, June Choi, who used to be the executive chef at Beverly Hills Nobu Beverly Hills in California, he was offered me a giant. You, you should be a prep cook. I'll pay you $900 a month. I was like, to, as an 18 year old, that seemed like a lot of money, <laughs> but it wasn't. But, you know, I showed up every day and I, I really enjoyed it. You know, like I could have made more me being more money being a server, being a busser. But, you know, something about being in the kitchen and being in the trenches every day, it really 
you know, I really loved being there and like, I really truly enjoyed it. So I just kind of took that, you know, and from there on, I just never stopped. You know, I became an executive chef uh, at Mandalay Bay and uh, at the age of 21. Wow. And because Japanese food is very, very simple, right? You learn a technique and you basically use that one technique to do a lot of different things. And I was always very good with my hands growing up and Japanese cooking is more about hand technique more than actual being able to cook. Okay. So it really like, I really thrived in that setting. And, you know, even though I was young, I was responsible and I was working hard. So I got an opportunity to take that job and I really enjoyed it. But once I got to a point, I realized like, I'm not learning anything. Like yeah. I'm, I'm too new at this to be you need a boss. I need a progression. So, and being in Vegas, I just, you know, I just knew that was not where I wanted to be. And you can a explore time. a lot of food yeah, in Vegas. You know, so. And my cousin at the time who lives in Oklahoma City, you know, he's in the real estate business, but he was like, move to Oklahoma. This is where it's at. Like, you know, it's a growing city. There's a lot of opportunity. So I moved here and uh, opened up a small little burger place in the Robinson Renaissance building in downtown Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. It's in a basement. It's a food court in a basement, you know, and I was selling like soft shell crab sandwiches. I was uh, selling like mozzarella stuff, like pork cutlet sandwiches and burgers and you know, I was doing all these things that, you know, people were just like, what are you doing? It's like, you know, it's Oklahoma, like, I'm trying it. but you know, that really doing those things, I got a little bit of recognition from local riders and, you know, eventually joined the coach house program, the, at the apprenticeship program at the coach house in Nichols Hills, which is, you know, Kurt Fleischfresher is like kind of the godfather of yeah. Oklahoma chefs and a lot of chefs trained under him. And I've been lucky enough to work you know, being, uh, work as an apprentice under him, but also work with him as executive chef at Bass, uh, after my apprenticeship program and kind of, you know, help me guide me through my culinary career. Oh, that's so, awesome. Uh, after that, then joined the Jones, Assem- uh, Jones assembly group, uh, being a culinary director for a fast casual taco concepts and like a Jones assembly concept and a little cheesesteak, you know, so mm-hmm. I got to experience a lot of the business side of things. Yeah. And see they're they're a, a great restaurant. Yeah. Right? You know, and, and see how operate how operations should be like because, you know, chefs are great at making food, but we're not always the best at the business side of things. So I got to see how business works and like how you know how what makes the restaurant successful, right? Because I feel like a lot of people just don't really even understand what makes a restaurant successful because yeah. they feel like oh i have a set of skills of, i know how to make great food or i have a great concept but you have to be great at so many different things for yes. it to come together yeah. you know so yeah it's good a lot of lessons along the way yeah so you so know what lessons did you learn from guy fieri uh <laughs> you know guy fieri is a great great guy you know mm-hmm. you, you see him on tv and that's exactly him in real life that's amazing you know and and guy fieri you know, when I first got one of Guy's grocery games, I honestly was like, eh, do I really want to do this? You know, because, you know, Guy Fieri has become this iconic guy on Food Network, but he always kind of had, he wasn't a serious guy. You know, he's not, he's always supporting mom and pop restaurants, but, but he wasn't like getting a it's, lot of respect from like serious chefs. Yeah, you know? it's not like uh, how Wolfgang Puck shows up. Or no. How, you know, Emerald shows yeah, up. Yeah, it know? wasn't it's, like it's that. Different. You know, it's different because he's, he's a chef, but he's not uh, like, a chef at a level where it's fine dining chefs are working at. But during the pandemic, he did so much for the industry. I mean, he raised 20, 30, $40 million for just the restaurant industry. And 
that really changed everything, you know, and and people really got to see like who he is as He's a, a person, of the community, you know, mm -hmm. who he is a person and like how, what he did for the community. And now you see Food Network. I mean, Tournament of Champions. I mean, yeah, they have all chefs from you know French Laundry. I mean, yeah. every top chef alumni you can possibly think of. They're all like guy, you know, they're all Guy Fieri's guys now, and they're all coming together and building an even bigger community now and it's really great to see it come together well there's caring about food right there's caring about uh business and entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and then there's actually doing something about it yeah that, that is where he really showed up absolutely right, during the pandemic well yeah so uh two-time food network beef, champion beef battle beef champion. battle yeah. champion you know and is ironic. What does that feel like? Do you have trophies? I have trophies. You, you know, I got a little uh, belt, and but like you know, because we're in Oklahoma, because we're you know, you know, we're one of the you know biggest beef producers in America. You know, so it's like it's cool to be say like, hey, I'm from Oklahoma City, down the street from the stockyards, and I'm the beef champion. You know, so it's just you know something that I think is really cool, and uh, been lucky enough to uh, you know be the champion of the you know beef champion of the food network. Has it got you into cool places? Uh. Not yet. How, you do, know, you, do you carry? Do you <laughs> carry yet. the belt around? No, no, no. Like you know, I'm I'm still a very you know I'm not you know like people. My friends know me, but like to me, you know, I'm still a small guy. I'm not you know people don't recognize me. You know, it's nothing like that yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, but it's been fun and just to you know be the beef champion. You know, yeah. in Oklahoma. So yeah, so it's cool. I mean, it's you know that those those accolades matter, and hopefully you'll be able to translate some of that into you know, uh, with what you're about to do with birdies, it's a big deal. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's talk about the, uh, the, the restaurant concept and, and talk about entrepreneurship. Cause I do, I do think, um, you're talking about something that a lot of talented, mm -hmm. uh, skilled people go through where mm -hmm. they're like, I have a passion to do X Yes. cook. I have a passion for food. I have a passion for, uh, retail clothing. I have a passion for all of these different kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And we're consumers and we experience all these businesses. Yes. But I think that the gotchas and the surprises are in the behind the scenes of running the mm -hmm. business, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I do think it would be important to just kind of, I don't know, I'd hear from you about some of the struggles, some of the lessons, some of the surprises, mm -hmm. right? That you've, you've kind of had along the way in your entrepreneurial journey, mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, I'm a marketing guy. So like, you know, branding's a big deal, yeah. right? So what are some of the surprises that, that you're like, Hey, here's some here's some things to watch out for. Some things you didn't maybe think about. Uh, you know, to me, like the most important things, you know, when it comes to restaurants is, you know, first, you know, what the concept is. You know, what price point are you going to be at? You know, what is the branding going to look like? What the and how the branding is going to, you know, integrate with the interior design and and the location. You know, all these things matter so much, and you know. You know, some locations do well in downtown settings where it's a destination restaurant, right? Like you, you have a fancy steakhouse. You want to be in an area where, you know, there's other bars around and there's, you know, there's other things to do because they're going to go do something after dinner. It's true. You know? But when you're doing a family restaurant, you don't want to be downtown because no parents going to go pick up their kids from school and go back down to downtown and eat, you know? So depending on who you are as a, a restaurant, you know, it, it really matters where you are. You know, if you're a quick lunch spot, you want to, you want to be next to hospitals, big corporate offices and, you know, in, in that kind of area. But, you know, it all depends on who you are. You yeah. Know? And I feel like. People just see, oh, high traffic count. That's a great location. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes those cars never stop. <laughs> you know, That's they're true. just they're just going by, you know. So 
just really knowing like what you're going for and who you are as a restaurant, like what price point are you, you know? So all those things really matter. You know, if you're in a family area, if you're a family restaurant, you want to have affordable items for your kids. You want to have, you know, cause you want it to be affordable when you're going out as a family of four or five or six, every dollar counts, mm-hmm. you know, between $12 and $15. It's a, a, a huge difference because you multiply by that six is $20 difference for, and then for a family, you know, who are in the middle class in the suburbs, that's a lot of money if you're eating out yeah. all the time, yeah. you know? So like recognizing what the needs are and all those things, you know, all play together, you know? So I just think, um, uh, those, to me, those five things have, you know, things I've missed in the past, you know, mm-hmm. when I, my previous restaurants I've opened or consulted or, you know, and just learning along the way, just every little thing that you've made mistakes in the past and fixing them and being aware of those things, you know, because a lot of people, I feel like my business isn't doing well. Why is that? Oh, it's tax season or it's the weather mm-hmm. or it's this or that and not really looking at themselves as a business and hey, there's a big old, you know, there's kind of smells in here or, you know, there's cores hanging down from the ceilings or like every little thing counts, right? And yeah. trying to make everything perfect, but, you know, always making excuses for the business, for, for the people, you know, and you just gotta have a lot of self-awareness of, you know, and make quick changes and yeah. not just, hey, maybe, you know, it'll happen, it'll happen, but you gotta think quick on your feet because you know, when the restaurant starts going down, it, it you know, it can it's hard go to turn down. around. It's hard to turn around. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I would say uh, a, a, a big lesson, right? And, and what I'm sort of translating some of what you're saying is uh, first impressions matter. Mm-hmm. Don't make assumptions, yeah, right? About what and, and rushing based on an assumption and designing a concept around something that you believe without being objective, mm-hmm. right? And if you can be objective, that brings out the self awareness and the self reflection about. Hey, instead of just trying to prove that my restaurant's great mm-hmm. and trying to convince everybody of that, why don't yeah. I actually do all of the things mm-hmm. that are required to get people to have the right impression? Yeah, that's good. Well, let's break down branding for just a second because okay. I think um, uh, a lot of it is, <clears throat> you know, you talked about. We can talk about brand for just a second. It's a, you know, it's a passion of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, you got the logo, the website, right? Mm-hmm. The way things look, the way things feel, right? And that's what a lot of in the 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 concept mm-hmm. needs to be a reflection of the brand, Absolutely. right? So, what are some of the what are some of the gotchas there? How do you how do you kind of go and get that work done? Do you have people around you, or is this something you kind of originate on your own? You know, I think there's definitely people who are capable of doing it on their own, but and I think that's that's a whole other thing of like self awareness of like, hey. Like, does this look professional? You know, you know, cause, cause anybody can really draw, make a logo, right? Just make it look good and, you know, make it colorful and a little bit unique. Uh, but there's a reason there are professionals who do branding yeah. and marketing, you know, mm-hmm. cause it's, it's a trade, you know, it's not something that, that anybody can do. Yeah. And, and it's a profession, you know, and when, to me, when there's a profession, it's a profession, there's a reason it's a profession, it's <laughs> you know? True. And so I have a team, uh, that I, the guy I use, he's a branding guy. He's done a lot of great local concepts, but you know, it just branding, t- it's not just a logo, right? Cause a lot of people think branding is a hey, name and a logo. You just pay yeah. for the name and a logo, but mm-hmm. just so much more than that. It's like, how do you integrate that to packaging, the interior design, 
uh, even silverware, what kind of cups you use, it all ties in together as a brand. It doesn't look like you slapped it together. You yeah. know, just made just quick decisions because every little detail counts. And um, to me, like, you know, when it, even the to-go menu, the website, it all has to flow together. It's got to feel like it's you know, the same thing. It's all the same thing. Yeah. You know, even even the sign on the door that says open, you know, open hours. It just, when you do it right, it looks like, you know, you you put yourself in a different level from people who, you know, who are taking shortcuts yeah. or not spending time to even think about those things. Yeah. You know, so like, because when somebody walks into a restaurant, it has to feel like, to me, even though if you're a local brand, like, it should feel like a, a, a chain, like mm -hmm. somebody created, like, hey, this is something. somebody curated the whole you know, experience, you know, create the whole experience instead of like, here, here's a food and, you know, here's your water. And, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. it's not, it can't just be if you don't, if you don't like the food, you know, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be the whole experience because, you know, peep, food is just a small part of the restaurant experience it's, and it's a big part of it. But, you know, when, you know, people want to feel welcome, people want to feel like, you know, you know, they're, the vibe has you know if, if the people who are serving you is having a bad time how can the guests have a good time when yeah. they're there like oh man they're being really rude when they're taking my orders and it just it just doesn't feel right you know so it's like when people go and walk into red you instantly start judging oh mm -hmm. man i'm like i've been waiting three minutes for to even anybody even like reckon you know just even say hello or you know you get sad and you don't even get any menu for like five minutes and you're already turned off by it yeah, you know, so it's like there's a lot for us to compare. Yeah, because we lot. have these experiences all the time. Because you eat every single day. Yeah. People go out almost, especially these days. You know, I feel like after COVID, people go out to even eat more because yeah. they realize, man, I can't cook. Yeah. <laughs> you Let's know, not do it. you know. So it's just like you know, people have so many things to compare to. So it's it's, it's a hard business, but it's a very honest business, right? Oh, if that's you, great. If you if you really know what you're doing, if you really recognize and you look at yourself in honest ways, you, it's a very honest business. If you really on top of your game, people are going to come back, you know, and, you know, people say restaurants are hard, but I bet you McDonald's don't think it's hard. I get you Olive Garden don't think it's hard. I bet you Chick-fil-A don't think it's hard. Obviously, they love, you it. know, they love it. They're yeah. making billions of dollars doing it. So if you really know what you're doing and you can replicate it it can do you know if you can do it repetitively consistently you know that's so so important that's good well I, you know something that uh we're kind of hinting at right and something that you're talking about is like this branding to identity and one of the ways that i try and articulate this mm -hmm. and, and the way that we do marketing is you know that's kind of like a pulse mm -hmm. you got what you believe how you think how you act, mm -hmm. how you speak, and then how you show up or how you appear. Yeah. And a lot of people think that the branding is kind of how you appear and how you speak or the name and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But as it relates to identity, there's the the concept, which is the food, the pricing, right? The, the customer, really understanding that customer and stitching all that together mm -hmm. with that brand pulse, what you believe, how you think, how you act, how you speak, and how you appear. So talk to me about how uh that translate to translate to the concept and the overall vibe in the way that you you kind of design businesses uh so birdies is you know to me it's a more of a family restaurant right this is where you want to go take your family out and, and just kind of have a good time because fried chicken to me is a is a family experience the kfc commercials back in the days right it's all about sitting together as family passing the chicken bucket around mm -hmm. chicken you know passing the bread basket around it's that's what fried chicken is all about, you know. So I want to really create that family environment, right? So it's more colorful, where kids are inviting, you know, uh, 
a lot of fun colors and big murals that could represent community and family, you know, uh, and just really tying it all together, make it feel like uh, where, you know, you want to take your family and just hang out and it feels like almost feels like a picnic, but it's very modern and fun and, you know, somewhere you just want to hang out. Yeah, it's awesome. The togetherness factor. Yeah, I like that, and that's an overall vibe, yes. right? As it relates to the identity. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, and so that me that matters for the price point. So if you mm -hmm. decided on your audience, yes, which is family, you mm -hmm. were like, okay, is are my, am I going upscale or am I mm -hmm. going downscale? It's like probably not upscale, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's definitely not upscale. You know, we're a very casual restaurant, and my biggest goal was. You know, as a fine dining chef, I could have never tell my friends, hey, come check this dish out and pay 70 bucks for it. You know, yep. it's not something you can do. I want to be able to offer my set of skills to the masses and that whereas, you know, they don't have to feel like they have to pay money for it. You know, so we have $10 chicken baskets. You know, we have $12 like on our lunch menu, nothing's more than $12. You know, everything's 10 to $12. You know, it's awesome. So awesome. and when they come in for dinner, you know, it's more about an, a, almost you think of it as a steakhouse experience. So you can get your small drumsticks, which will have like three pieces, right? And it'll be 10 bucks. But if you want fries or okra, mac and cheese with that, you can order as a single side or a shareable side. So it's more of a sharing experience, you know, but you know, you can spend, come in and spend little as $10 if you want, you know, and, but if you want to have a full experience and have a good time, you know, we have champagne on the menu that you can order and, you know, and, you know, we have all of these different things, but, you know, I want to be able to give an opportunity for everybody to come in and enjoy what I've created. That's a, that, that is a, an, a super cool experience. And, and it seems, seems that you've really threaded it all together. It's a departure from being a beef champion to chicken. Let's just be real about that. <laughs> But let's just talk about location. We talked a couple of minutes ago about, mm -hmm. you know, high traffic and yes. all that kind of stuff. And uh, what are some of the surprises or some some critical considerations on that? Uh, parking is huge uh, because in Oklahoma and small town people, smaller city people don't like to walk, you know, and just something, you know, parking is something, you know, when you're downtown and that area is, it can be very challenging, you know, because if you can't park, you're not, you're not going to come in. You know, something like people like, you know, we're going to be so good that don't, it won't even matter, you know, mm -hmm. but just something as an everyday, as a restaurant owner, you know, that's to me, parking is huge, but also, you know, depending on what it, you know, who, who you are, like I said, you know, you want to be in different areas, you know, for us, you're more family casual. So, you know, we're in the suburbs where, you know, it's close to home, residential homes mm -hmm. and, you know, but, you know, a steakhouse could be downtown, you know, but location wise, it also matters of like who's around you, you know, because it always creates that synergy of when you have more restaurants that are successful around you. Most people think that actually hurts you, but you really want to be in an area where everybody is successful because it really creates that synergy. Mm -hmm. That's where I want to go hang out. Hey, they could come in and have an appetizer at my restaurant, but go have a drink at the other restaurant and come back for desserts, you know, but kind of creates that synergy or where people want to go hang out. That's too. why these clusters happen with retail shops. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you've got restaurants nested throughout there. Mm -hmm. And then these clusters really matter if you're sort of you know, off on a corner lot, mm -hmm. you know, in the suburbs, it's mm -hmm. like, it's, it's a special drive yeah. and people aren't necessarily thinking about you, mm -hmm. right? You, you've really had to design a brand or have to have multiple locations for somebody to go, yes. oh, let's go to the one that's kind of farther mm -hmm. away. So that that's why the clusters really matter. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really good. Well, talk to me about restaurant design because, you know, you're you're in the midst of uh, this new concept coming, yes. to, coming to life, you know, 
there's uh, the experience when people arrive and then there's the employee experience as well. Mm. So talking about some of the design work and how how you get things to kind of flow together. To me, restaurant design matters so much because and because it's the efficiency matter because you know you, you have to be efficient as you possibly can because restaurant business is not a big margin business right it's a very small margin business you're trying to maximize your profits every way possible but if you don't if you have an inefficient space you know you're just shooting yourself in the foot because it might take two or three more employees to operate that business if you don't have it efficiently designed. And that's a lot of money, even yeah. though one person makes 30,000 a year, that's $100,000 at the end of the year, you know? So every little- For a design de- mistake. For a design mistake, you know? So the way I designed the birdies is, you know, where the servers come into the kitchen and how they go out is very important. Cause you know, if the dishwasher's in the corner of the kitchen, they have to go in and take 20 extra shots just to drop off a dirty dish wow. and come back. And you know, then you're going over there to get, you know, the two go bags and you're, you know, you're going to multiple different places just to do one test, you know? So to me, it's just all about, you know, putting the dish, dish area where it's in going into the kitchen so the dishes get dropped off immediately and putting the server stations right around the corner so they as soon as they drop off the dirty dish they go to the refill of the sodas or yeah. refilling the ice they on the outdoors where the expo is to pick up the food to go out so yeah to in a the way i have it designed in birds you go in this little circle and you're in drop off pick up stuff you need and you go out so you don't really have to go anywhere else that's unnecessarily you know yeah uh, and you got you to you tell all of your employees, hey, consolidate your trips. Exactly. And if you're consolidating your trips, they know that they're going to do mm-hmm. two or three drops on the circle. Absolutely. right? They're going to grab food on the way out and things mm-hmm. like that. And the outcome of that great design mm-hmm. is really table turns. Exactly. You get more table turns or you have uh, low wait times, mm-hmm. right? And things like that, which means you can fit more people in the restaurant, but then turn them and if you don't have these long like queues or wait people mm-hmm. waiting to get in the restaurant no. so that creates an, a customer experience where they are like hey wasn't a long wait it yeah. actually went really well the food was really good and they want to come back and so then you get a repeat business Absolutely. so that, that flow really matters and it takes less employees to operate then i can pay my employees more instead of having to pay three more other more people you know what i mean so the less employees i have the more i can pay also to my guys yeah and you know to me like even the kitchen is like you design it so everything's within reach if you're in a station you shouldn't have to ever leave take more than two steps from that station and design it exactly where it needs to be so a three or four guys can operate a two you know two million dollars a year restaurant you know and you can only do that with efficient design of the business and efficient design of the space also yeah because there's restaurants we have hundred things on their menu well you're gonna need a lot of people you know yep. and just that's the only way to achieve that you know but when you have a simpler more efficient menu that you specialize in you know it takes less people to operate it it's better for the business better for the uh, staff and you get a better quality product because you're you're putting all your focus on one thing yeah you know, instead of billion things you know you're baking bread you're making pasta you're making burgers you're making you know fried chicken you're, it's you know you're making tacos it's just when you have all those things it just takes so much more effort to get it to that level of perfection yeah when you have one thing you know it's a lot easier to do it and then know? once you've tweaked it out you're like hey i can mm-hmm. go 
uh, stamp and repeat this yes. in a similar location for a similar vibe in a similar way to get a similar result. Absolutely. And and then you've got kind of a thriving business. Yes. Right. That's amazing. Well, I I I really respect one of the things that you said about self awareness, mm -hmm. and um, I think that. Uh, that objectivity and people being able to just be real. And I like how you described it as this being an honest business. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about some of the things where you've either seen or experienced or, or recognized in yourself mm -hmm. that you're like, I wasn't really self-aware enough. You know, as a chef, you feel like you can open up a restaurant and be successful right away because hey, I'm a chef, <laughs> you know, and but chefs are actually the ones who fail more than anybody else in the restaurant business because they let their pride get in the way or mm -hmm. they let you know, I want to use the best of the ingredients just, you know, because you're a chef, you feel like you have to do these things because you're a chef. It's a creative outlet. You know, it's a creative outlet. But that doesn't always equal profits in the business, right? And you got to learn the business side. If you're not good at it, you have to be able to adapt and learn, you know? If you're not good at social media, you need to be able to adapt and learn instead of just saying, I'm not good at it or I don't know how to do it. You know, if you don't know how to do it, pay somebody to do it, you yeah. know, or learn how to do it. You know, there's ways to do it. You have YouTube these days that teaches you everything you possibly can, right? And it just being, you know, being, you have to be able to adapt and also know when to ask for help. You know, I've been in this business a long time. Throughout opening birdies, I mean, I've, I've had, probably five mentors, you know, every day I'm like calling, asking questions like, Hey, how do I do this? How do I do that? Like I have this menu made. Can you look at it? Like, what do you think about this price point? You know, just picking brains. Like there's people all around you who done this before, who are, who has been successful before. Don't be afraid to ask because, you know, no, there's no stupid question. You're not going to look stupid. You know, there's no, don't be too prideful to like ask for help. You know, oh, that is so good. And 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 some people are just too prideful of that. You know, and I've learned that. You know, that's you know, as a businessman, you gotta you gotta be able to adapt. You gotta have to you you always have to be able to learn and keep learning because things keep changing. You know, foods change, the trends change, everything keeps changing. And if you don't if you don't stay innovative or stay with the trend or keep you you gotta keep digging. You know, you can't just say I'm done and be done with it because you know what if i do that this restaurant will be gone in five years yeah you know then i have to do i have to create a whole like i have to do it all over again why do that you know you got to keep on going and you know stay on top of it you know and that's the only way so something that i think is uh, a self-awareness issue that um a lot of business owners not just restaurateurs but business owners really struggle with is <clears throat> deciding what their job is mm -hmm. versus what somebody else's job is exactly. and when to keep it in-house and mm -hmm. when to outsource it. How mm -hmm. do you kind of create those thresholds and make those decisions? You know, to me, uh, uh, sorry, what was the question? Yeah. So I, I, we can repeat it. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, entrepreneurs really struggle with, mm -hmm. and not just restaurateurs is, uh, what is your job mm -hmm. versus someone else's? Because mm -hmm. you can have your fingers in all the pies. Absolutely. And then the other one is when to hire somebody to mm -hmm. do it or when to use an agency or somebody else or an outsourced. Yeah. Like, like uniforms, for example, mm -hmm. or uh, getting carpets cleaned out and, <laughs> yeah. and, and hiring the Centauses mm -hmm. of the world. It's like, oh man, no, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna wash these instead of replacing them. Or, yeah. Those are some of the struggles that that mm -hmm. that people face. So, yeah. how do you? What are some of the thresholds that you have in your mind? You know, you got to kind of pick your battles, right? Like, what is the most important thing that 
to me or to the business, you know, because a lot of people do it for the sake of, you know, just to, you know, feel better for themselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? For selfish reasons. Like, I'm going to do that because I feel better when I do it instead okay. of you doing it. But that's not always the most important thing for the business, you know, because, you know, for me, if I'm sitting there frying chicken on the line, that's what the worst thing I can possibly do because that's a, you know, hourly, you know, $15 an hour job. If I'm me as a business owner sitting there frying chicken, you know, there's a problem because there's so many more other important things in the business than frying that chicken. You know, that means I've done a horrible job training or, you know, you know, something is not right, you know? So it's just knowing what's important to me. So to me, when I was a, for example, when I was a chef, you know, when I was a chef at a fine dining restaurant, I can't cook everything, right? But there are certain things I can control. What's important, like the protein, like breaking down the protein myself is important because you're gonna save money by, you know, having the less waste, mm -hmm. right? You know, I can make the stocks because that's the foundation for all the sauces. If the stock is wrong, the sauces is gonna be wrong. So, you know, those picking what is important so that that I have to do but, you know, and consolidating those work that, you know, that you know what your team can do. But also, you know, it's all about awareness. Like what what is your team, you know, capable of doing? You know, if they're not capable of doing it, you should probably hire outsource the this uh for that job. But for me, it's just it's just it all kind of comes back to awareness, you know, mm -hmm. like what is your team capable of doing and putting in the time to train those people if they're doing the job and really taking the time uh, training them because training is everything. And once you train them, it's not done. You got to go back and, you know, retrain and constantly stay on top of it because those are the people who are cooking your food and operating your business. You those know? are the things that slip. Yeah, well, what those was are the things that slip. What was one of the things that you sort of uh, woke up and said, I shouldn't be doing this. Someone else should be doing this. And, you know, because I'm a chef, you know, my natural instincts is go towards the kitchen. You yeah. Know? But that is just my natural because that's where I feel comfortable. That's no, I know I can operate it, you know, but, you know, that's the worst thing you can do as a chef because if I'm there cooking the food, who is who is managing my staff, who is mm -hmm. managing the pace, who's managing the food waste and everything that that is so much more important that, than just that one dish, right? And 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 to me, that was the hardest part because my natural instinct just always pushes me back to the kitchen. Go to the kitchen. You know, you know, but uh, I just had to take a step back and, you know, make sure my team's trained well and that trust them, but also make sure we follow back and you know reassure every once in a while to that it is going in the same system that i've created okay well it's good well i have some rapid fire questions for you now all right what uh what was the last dinner you ate out and how would you rate it last dinner was last night at the bull in the alley in tulsa i had a uh porterhouse steak with some shrimp cocktail and crab cakes and it was delicious i don't know if you've ever been there but ah. tulsa uh next to the tavern it's called bull in the alley okay it's literally an alley there's no sign there's a gold bull that's hanging on top of the door it's a small little steakhouse that seats about 50 people but it is delicious how would you rate it 10 out of 10 all right there you go dude. <laughs> well, what what are the first three things um, I'll always find if I open your fridge at the house. Uh, I'm Korean, right? So I don't know if you guys know what kimchi is. Kim oh, yeah. Kimchi is a, a fermented spicy cabbage dish. And that's something that's always in there. Uh, Topo Chico. 
All right. I love Topo Chico. Uh, any kind of sparkling water. Because I, I used to love drinking soda, and I could never break it, but Topo Chico changed my life. There but, you go. Uh, <laughs> love that. Uh, and uh, what else do I always have in my fridge? I, I love apples. All right. <laughs> I love that. Well, yep. uh, let's talk about sushi for a second. Okay. What do you think? What's your opinion of cream cheese and sushi? Cream cheese and sushi, I think it's delicious. You do? I don't knock it at all. You don't? But to me, cream cheese and salmon, love it. Love it? Yeah. What about, uh, I, I, do you ever eat the ginger and the uh, uh, wasabi? I do. You do? I'm okay. a big wasabi guy. Okay. Big wasabi guy. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I've never heard somebody say I'm a big wasabi guy. I really good. yeah. I'm not... I'm not, I mean, I literally, it's half wasabi, half soy sauce. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Well, uh, let's say I have one night in Vegas. What restaurant am I going to? One night in Vegas. Uh, and what a, should I order? There's a restaurant called Hobok. Okay. And, and Hobok in Korean means pumpkin. So I don't know why it's called Hobok, but it's a Korean barbecue restaurant. Uh, it's a, uh, they, it's a Korean steakhouse experience. So you go there, they, there's a set of like, you can basically pick from A, B or C. And they'll have a marinated short rib with some ribeyes, with some pork belly, and all these different things on there. It comes with a couch, like 20 different sides, side dishes, lettuce wraps, some stews, and an egg souffle. Uh, but it's an experience. And my goal eventually is to bring that kind of a concept, the Korean steakhouse concept to Oklahoma also. So I love that, is my, that idea. That is the next, next uh, you know, that is my dream restaurant. And hopefully we can do that here pretty soon. All too. right. All right, couple more. Uh, what's one thing that I can cook uh, or do to impress my friends the next time I have them over for dinner? That you can cook? Yeah. Hmm. That anybody can cook. Anybody can cook? Yeah. Let's see. Pasta. Tomato. Tomato basil sauce pasta. But it's all about the it's all about time. You know, you making sure you use fresh garlic, making the fresh herbs fresh basil, fresh tomato. It's all about just sitting there and stirring. You know, you can literally throw everything in a pot and stir, stir, stir for hours and it'll turn out awesome. That's but great. Anybody can do that. What's the, what's the, what was the thing that most, uh, most confused you about Oklahoma? Most confused me about Oklahoma. There. Uh, the flat land. <laughs> from Seattle. I mean, wow, we got hills everywhere, mountains everywhere. And they they told me the Wichita mountain was a mountain. I was like, no, that's a hill. Yes. <laughs> wow. But I love Oklahoma. I love people here. You know, I love, you know, everything about it. I, I really enjoy living in Oklahoma. I, I don't, I wouldn't live anywhere else in America. Oh man, that's, that's, a, that's a big state. Yeah. All right, last question. This is a non-food question. Okay. Uh, let's say that I'm able to call Kevin Lee on the phone right now, but it's Kevin Lee 2002. Yeah. Okay. What do you want to tell him and warn him about? You know, I, I, 2002, you know, I grew up playing competitive golf. I really, I was pretty good at one point, you know, but I really, you know, I wish I had a little better direction. I wish I would have knew more about life at the time. I think I would have had a better chance. Uh, but just, you know, just work hard, put your head down and work hard. Don't, you know, just work hard, you know, because at the end of the day, like, to me, like, I I never switched my career throughout my whole life, and I've always kind of stuck to one thing, and, you know, I, you know, there are times that are really hard, but at the end of the day, like, when you do one thing for a long time, you get really good at it. There will be 
light at the end of that tunnel. You know, and I feel like generation these days, younger guys these days, they, they're too quick to change their career mm -hmm. all the time. You know, oh, I did the first two, three years. Eh, I don't like it. Or do this for a couple of years. Because I think that's a job, right? And there's definitely better jobs than others. But I think if you really stick to one thing and if you duke it out, but at the end, like, there will be light and you will be very successful at what you do. So. Pick something and commit to it. Love Take it. something and commit to it. Well, uh, I don't know what to say. I'm I'm super thankful that you uh, came on the show and uh, having a conversation with us. I have to say I'm super hungry now. <laughs> um, but uh, I, you know, uh, you know, as we, you know, kind of sign off here, tell everybody where to find birdies. Birdies will be on the corner of Northwest 150th and Penn in Edmond, Oklahoma. Uh, you'll see a big old light shining. It's not hard to find. Uh, but it's fried chicken concept with, you know, Great food, great people, good environment, fun environment. So you guys can all come out and enjoy some good fried chicken. Well, there you fried go. Fried fried chicken. Okay. <laughs> Double. Well, uh, what, what's, uh, what's next after that? Uh, I don't know yet. You know, hopefully we can open more birdies. We really want to focus on this, you know, first yeah. location, obviously. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a long time coming. You know, I've been, I was talking to my wife about a couple of days ago. We're like, you, know, you talked about this when we first got married, you know, and it was like 10 years ago, you know, and it's finally coming together uh, what I've envisioned. And it's, it's really exciting. You know, I'm nervous, you know, obviously, but, you know, uh, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be great. And, you know, I'm, I'm ready to work, you know, to, you know, really make this work. So it's awesome. Well, best of luck to you. Thank you. Appreciate Super it. Good. Thanks. Thank for you. Coming.